this thing on? Because it's getting ready to be on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bell Ringer. My name is Greg. Your guest name today is Greg Homish, a researcher and professor at the University at Buffalo. We talk about a grant program that Greg and the University of Buffalo received to train the next wave of public health practitioners here in Western New York, specifically after the COVID-19 pandemic. We also talk more broadly about his work on veterans and those active within the military, their mental health outcomes, and talk about ending the stigma of mental health issues that people face every day and simple things we can all do to be a part of the solution. Well, I'm professor and chair of the Department of Community Health and Health Behavior at the University of Buffalo. Um, I've been at the University of Buffalo since about 2003 and been with this department since 2007. Um, My work largely focuses on looking at social and environmental factors that influence changes in health and health behaviors over time. Oh, that's that's a perfect start. So I know we wanted to talk specifically um, about a recent federal grant that you had received. So you got a um, a one point three million dollar federal grant. I think I was reading online. UB was one of it was like twenty nine or thirty universities that received a grant like this to train the next generation of public health workers. So I wanted to just kind of first know, like, you know, what are the machinations of that? How does that work? I know, you know, a big part of it is obviously scholarships, but um, just tell us about, you know how that actually works. How do you train the next generation of public health workers? Sure, yeah, we were very fortunate. There were 29 universities across uh, the country that received this funding. Um, so we were in a, a, a good class of, of other schools to get the workforce improved, to strengthen the workforce. Um, so there's a lot of different ways of doing it. The way we're proposing to do it is through enrolling students in our Masters of Public Health program, and enrolling people in our advanced graduate certificate in public health. Um, So the advanced graduate certificate is designed for the working professional who's looking to increase his or her knowledge in public health. It's the five core courses that make up our master's of public health program. So if somebody takes the certificate program and is really enjoying it, but wants more, those credits in those five classes roll directly into the MPH. So it's double counted there. Um, people who want to just enroll right into the MPH are eligible to do that. Um, we offer training in, in um, six different concentrations of the Masters of Public Health. So you can focus on community health and health behavior. You can focus on health services, policy and practice, epidemiology, bio uh, biostatistics, and envir- <clears throat> environmental health. For students who maybe aren't quite sure which of those concentrations make the most sense, there's an individualized program that has a focus area in health equity and another focus area in addictions, but there's also a completely customizable option too for people who have very diverse interests. So the goal of this training program is really to provide scholarship funding to enroll students in either the certificate program or the full master's of public health program with the idea of getting um, more people into the public health workforce. So believe the grant was part of the American Rescue Act from the federal level. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. So tell people a bit about like how important this is. I'm assuming, you know, coming out of that legislation. I mean, that that's a part of the answer. Like, why is this so important within the context of of COVID? And, you know, why is training the next generation of public health practitioners important in the wake of, you know, obviously such, such a large public health crisis and pandemic? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, what we really have seen through the last couple of years is that our public health workforce, we we need more numbers. We need more people. We need more trained people. Um, you know, a lot of regions um, really scramble to cover pandemic response. So part of this training is in emergency preparedness and pandemic response, um, not necessarily for COVID, but for an all-hazards planning approach. Um, we really want to make sure the public health workforce in Western New York and across the country is, is ready to handle whatever crisis comes up next. So um, I, I think it's just absolutely essential that we increase the numbers in our public health workforce to, with an eye towards prevention. Um, a lot of what we see can be prevented. There's a lot of a lot of efforts need to be put into health promotion and prevention of injury and illness, um, so that we're not reactive, or that we're not that we're proactive and not reactive. And then, you know, just beyond obviously the prevention and, and handling of a pandemic, obviously is a um, a massive piece of this. But just beyond that, like, what is what does that mean for Western New York to have this hopefully increase in public health practitioners? You know, it's a above my head and out of my area of expertise, but I know Western New York has some like unique public health challenges specific to the population that a lot of research goes into. So, you know, just generally, like, what does this mean for Western New York to be one of those 29 universities chosen and for our community to hopefully get this influx of talent within that area? Well, I think it's a great opportunity for us. I mean, uh, the University of Buffalo is, is a leading uh, public health university. Um, you know, I think that this shows that the reviewers of this of this grant mechanism saw that we have the ability and the capability to train the next generation and with a quality public health education that includes not only book work, but also field training. Um, all of our students in the public health program complete a field training experience with a local partner. The people who are part of this funding mechanism will actually do a, an enhanced field training. So they'll do twice the number of field hours that a regular MPH student is required to do. Other students in our MPH can certainly do the enhanced field training, but part of the program of research that we put out here for this grant was to um, really enhance the field training experience so that our students will have a lot of time in the field. And that's critical in Western New York. There's, there's a lot of need in Western New York. Um, so we're trying to train people here to stay here to work locally to be in our community. So is I'm assuming one of the bigger barriers to getting into the field is just the the cost of the education and the scholarship specifically helps mm -hmm. remove that barrier of entry. And, you know, the hope is obviously to get more people involved, but also diversify the talent pipeline of these public health practitioners. Is that fair to say? Yes. Uh, the, the eye for this really is to increase the diversity of our workforce. Um, you know, the, the award is specifically looking to serve underrepresented um, individuals who aren't in public health. We want to increase increase the diversification of the workforce, and that is a goal. And, um, you know, you, you talked about the cost of this. The nice thing about this um, funding opportunity here is that we're paying the full tuition for these students, including their fees. Um, so it's, it's um, a really great opportunity. You know, a lot of programs talk about how do we do loan forgiveness or loan repayment. Um, the, the goal of this program is to actually prevent that, that students won't need to pay tuition. The students who are selected for this program will receive full tuition, including the, the fees. And, you know, the University of Buffalo is, is um, our tuition structure is, is really competitive, um, but this makes it zero. Um, you know, this, the funding is um, supported by the federal government. The Health Resources and Services Administration grant um, is, a, is a big win for our community.
And do you know, maybe I missed this, but do you know or have a goal of how many folks do you want to get through the program to increase the pipeline? It's really going to depend on on the number of applicants we get and the number of the there's a, a variety of different pathways in. So of the $1.3 million, 90% of that is earmarked to direct student support. So we're going to try to spread that as far as we can go. Um, students who are doing the certificate, obviously, that's a, a cheaper cost to us than if you're doing the full MPH. So it's really going to depend. We have yet to begin our first cohort of students, which we will be doing in the spring. Right. Well, it sounds like a great program and obviously important for, for Western New York. Um, I want to pivot a little bit. I, I was reading online and talking to a colleague of mine, that you know, a mutual connection of ours. In 2018, you received a grant to address health outcomes for people within the military. Um, I think in the article I read, the funding goes through 2023, so maybe it's premature to be talking to you about it, but I figured I'd, I'd ask while I had you. Um, just talk about outcomes you're finding and you know anything interesting you've seen in that research so far. I know you know most people listening have a connection to someone that you know they themselves have served or know you know a family member that's served. So I thought it'd be interesting for the audience to hear a little bit. Sure, thank you. Yeah. So this is a uh, project funded by the National Institutes on Health um, to look at reserve soldiers and their spouses. And we've followed the reserve soldiers and their spouses over six time points over a 10-year period to um, look at a variety of health and health outcomes, including mental health and physical health. We've looked at diet and nutrition. Um, <clears throat> the goal of this was really to, to focus on our reserve soldiers, though. We know that active duty soldiers have a lot of resources directed at them. Reserve soldiers are a little bit different because they're kind of that citizen soldier. They have dual roles. They have a, a military job, but they also have a civilian job. So the thought was maybe they need different resources or, or have different issues facing them. So we really wanted to focus on reserve soldiers. But as you mentioned, most of us have connections to somebody in the military, military family members or whatnot. We know it's not just the soldier that serves, though. It's also the soldier and their family. And so it was really a, a, an important point for us to really think about um, the soldier and his or her spouse or um, domestic partner if they if they weren't married. So the focus of this has really been the, the family unit. And what we've found is that um, strong marital relationships actually are uh, one of the major resiliency factors for a lot of negative outcomes. And so that speaks to really thinking about the family unit as, um, you know, the soldier's not um, an isolated person in a vacuum. The, the He or she... Um, can you know get incredible strength from a partner and so i think that's one of the the most important findings there is the the importance of the social network um we've also found that with um you know the the connection with the other soldiers in the military has also been important for people that resiliency that they build up from the unit the unit strength has also been really important so i think that that probably speaks volumes to the idea of not thinking about individuals but thinking about group dynamics um and especially here what we found with the partner obviously i'm sure you know the family unit is important for active and reserve but do you think there is a a difference because they're you know say a reserve soldier like you said they kind of have that that dual responsibility that puts more weight on the family unit when they're home and and less less so on like the active military group or their, you know, friends within the unit? Yeah, I think there can be different challenges because, I mean, a reserve soldier who has, has a regular day job, if they're deployed, their their day job is put on hold. And so that could have implications for 
the family in different ways than maybe an active duty soldier. The other, I think, major difference is a lot of active duty soldiers are in close proximity to their colleagues. And so our reserve soldiers can be spread out and may not be um, geographically close to military colleagues. So they don't have that same camaraderie that maybe an active duty soldier would have. Right. Well, it sounds like fascinating research. So it the program takes you through the end of next year, is that? That's correct. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we can't wait to learn more at that time. I appreciate you talking a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, thanks for the interest. Yeah. I want to pivot a little bit, just kind of macroscopically talking about um, talking about Buffalo, the, you know, the Western New York region. Um, our organization obviously is an economic development organization that focuses on attracting new businesses and people to locate here in the eight counties of Western New York. There's a, a economic development like writer, Richard Florida. He said, the three things a region needs to succeed or be relevant in the global economy is a redeveloped waterfront, which, you know, we, we think we have, or are beginning to have with, you know, canal side, um, a strong airport, which the Buffalo Niagara airport has just received a lot of investment and expansion and is actually pretty frequently rated as a highly rated medium-sized airport. And then the third he mentioned was a large research university. Um, which obviously university at Buffalo would be ours here in Western New York and is a, a strength and continues to become more of a strength. You know, each time there's a new ratings out for colleges and universities within research um, in your eyes as a, as a member of that, um, why is UB, you know, important to the regional economy? Why is it important to just Western New York as a whole to have like this crown jewel of a research university right here? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think that UB, um, you know, we're one of the flagships of the SUNY system. The SUNY has uh, 64 campuses. The University at Buffalo is the largest and most comprehensive. I think that that's really good for the region, but it's also good for the state. It's also good for the country. I think that we're kind of have our, our three-part kind of mission here. You know, we really want to be training um, students, graduate students, medical students um, to, to go out into our communities and increase public health. Um, we also have a, an incredible service mission um, as a state university. You know, our job is to provide service to our local community um, in a variety of different ways. The University of Buffalo is doing that. And then research, as you mentioned, is really important. You know, we're on the leading edge of of investigating um, treatments for major illnesses. We're on the leading edge of looking at health promotion and health prevention in, in ways that really can help our communities locally and globally get stronger and healthier. So I think that a major research university is certainly an economic draw. You know, we um, are bringing in the best and the brightest here. Um, we have a, a great international enrollment. We're bringing students in from all over to really train um, the next generation of, of researchers, of teachers, of clinicians. So I, obviously the impact of us uh, is, is huge in this region. Over the fat past few years, I think maybe only through the pandemic. I had um, Dr. Nancy Nielsen on to talk about pandemic response. And we had um, Dr. Steven Schweitzberg, I think he's the chair of the Department of Surgery at University of Buffalo on. And they both kind of had a similar sentiment um, talking about like the perception of Buffalo within this space, how we're perceived locally by our own community, and then how we're perceived across the country. And it was interesting to me because they, they seem to feel that Western New York was known across the country as kind of a destination for this life, life and health sciences research and is 
up there with you know the likes of a, a Boston or some some of the cities in California around the coast. Generally, like Buffalo is known as a hub for this, um, but locally it seems you know they thought maybe people didn't understand the the breadth or gravity that you know this industry has. Um, kind of just like what's what's your opinion on that, and how do you think you know Buffalo stands out like on the on the national scale as you know you look at the medical campus, you know different research work the hospital networks, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think we're very strong. We're a very strong public university. Um, we're getting stronger each each year as well as the rankings show and different different metrics show. Um, our, our faculty are world-class. Um, you know, we have uh, award-winning faculty here across all of the schools at UB. Um, and, and I think the local community does have an appreciation for what the University of Buffalo has locally. There is a lot of UB pride, which I'm I'm happy to see. Um, but we are a, a, a player, a national player, and uh, are doing world-class research and providing a world-class education for our students. So a lot of your research is within mental health. Um, obviously, not a day goes by that you know there aren't news stories about mental health or that it's in kind of the national conversation. Um, just while we have you, and, and it's our last question before we pivot to the kind of fun blizzard round, but... Are there any like low hanging fruit solutions to, um, you know, that Western New York as a community can do to aid individuals struggling with mental health or, you know, any of those kind of messages you want to get out while you have the microphone, I guess? Yeah, no, that's a, a great question. I, I think the idea of 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 seeking help and reducing stigma, understanding that there are treatments for mental health issues, that um that there are a lot of resources available and if people need them they should seek them out um there's a a, a lot of uh really great clinicians in our local area um so i think the idea of just of, of connecting to the resources that we have available is really important and and knowing that um there is help available i think that's the message and you know during the pandemic i think that one of the things you saw with the state was um, a lot of awareness of, of of hotlines for people to call in to say, hey, I'm having an issue with this. And, you know, one thing that may have come out of the pandemic is that um, stress is a very real thing and we all experience it, but there are resources available. Great. Well, uh, I really appreciate your time throughout this conversation, all your work that you're doing that we discussed, you know, and more. Um, it's obviously critically important to, you know, Western New York, but even on a larger scale. So thank you very much. Before thank I you. let you go. Uh, we always end in a couple of hard-hitting blizzard round questions. So okay. if you were a flavor of ice cream, what would you be? Chocolate chip cookie dough. Okay. What's a book or TV show that you'd recommend? Uh, TV show is probably The Amazing Race. That's a, a family night for us. So I enjoy watching that with my daughter and my wife. So I'd say The Amazing Race. Good choice. How about, a? do you prefer text or phone call? Phone call, definitely. Anybody who knows me will know I'm much better on the phone than I am by text message. How about hiking or skiing? Definitely hiking. Skiing would have resulted in emergency room visits. <laughs> uh, how about bills or sabers? Bills all the way. And last question, most important, chicken wings. Do you prefer a drumstick or a flat? Uh, I'd say drumstick. Good choice. Good, Me too. Good Thank question. you very much for, for all your time and all your work. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for your interest. It was great talking with you. Bellringer is a podcast by Invest Buffalo Niagara, the region's nonprofit, privately funded economic development organization, bringing new jobs for our neighbors and new investment for our neighborhoods. 
Come grow your business with us.